0: Support for Seattle Dining and The Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... Trellis Restaurant at the Heathman Hotel in Kirkland. Enjoy fine dining all day long, seven days a week
1: at Trellis, an East Side favorite. Visit their website at heathmankirkland.com. Hi, this is Ethan Stoll. Welcome to The Seattle Dining Show.
0: Coming to you live, the Test Kitchen Studio high atop Queen Anne Hill. It is time for the Seattle Dining Show. Join us as we explore news about Northwest restaurants, take a look at upcoming events, discover new kitchen tips you can use at home, dive into great recipes, and much more. And now, here's your host, the Senior Editor, Connie Adams, and whoever else just happened to drop by today.
2: Welcome to the August Seattle Dining Show, number 1608. I'm Connie Adams, Senior Editor of Seattle Dining. And I'm here with our co-host, Jamie Piha of Table Talk Northwest. Hello. And Tom Maron, publisher of Seattle Dining. Hello. Oh, thank God he's not singing.
3: (laughs) Not a good way to start. (laughs) But we do like
2: to start by talking about some places we've been to or eaten lately. Tom, do you have a couple? i got a
4: few. Uh, We went up to the Dunbar Room the other night, up at the Sorrento Hotel. I haven't been there yet. We had a lovely dinner out on the old... Circle Drive that was there that, that oh age. in the
3: front the yeah. drive through yeah. so nice. they, they,
4: they uh, blocked it all off and turned it in outdoor dining I think they're calling it the courtyard
3: so you can't drive in
4: there anymore no oh wow yeah
3: that's neat that was a beautiful patio you can I know. pull up and they'll take
4: your car away okay yeah. cool I don't know if you'll get it back later they or used not,
3: to do it as a
2: summer thing but uh-huh. now it seems. Pretty permanent.
3: Oh, wow. That's really neat. Yeah. I'm glad that they uh, were able to sort of reinvent themselves. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, the, you know, with the hunt club and the library yeah. room, they'd been standards in Seattle for so long. And so, you know, it's hard to reinvent and yeah. still be relevant, but I think they've done a really good job of it. We talked to
2: the PR person a lot about that that night because she was saying it is very difficult to take a historic place like that and not. Take away the the history of it and bring it up to And yet, make it a place that younger people want to come and that older people say, I remember when, but this is great. So it's a very tough balancing act.
4: You know what I won't miss from the Hunt Club? Was the uh, corned beef hash (laughs) with the uh, eggs and the hollandaise over the top of the corned beef hash. I'm not going to miss that.
2: Really? See
4: now, that sounds
2: pretty good. (laughs) I don't eat corned beef hash, but but it's the (laughs) hollandaise and the eggs that sound good to me. So I don't know. Yeah,
3: well, you know, I mean, yeah, I haven't seen the menu. Um, How how is the menu? So what what is the focus? Is it just northwest Northwest fresh? Yeah, well,
2: it is seasonal. Um, He we had we tried some calamari that was um, in a broth. It wasn't fried. You know, we tried some risotto. We tried a spicy prawn dish.
4: uh, they, um, I, I think I'm, they're still getting. Yeah. I, I don't think there's ever going to be a fixed menu in there. I think he's yeah. always going to be going seasonally mm-hmm. with it. That's oh, his, yeah, he is. That's his planned. Yeah. So. Who is the chef?
2: Do we know? Oh, my gosh. Okay. Well, we met him, and I'm just absolutely blanking on his name. Oh, we'll come back to that. We'll come back to that.
4: Everybody go eat there and find out what the chef's name is and let us know.
3: (laughs) I actually have it. I just am completely. Okay, so 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 the Dunbar Room at the Hotel Sorrento. And what's another one
4: for you, Tom? Another one I went to was the uh, Triple Door. Mm Mm-hmm had dinner down there, and then we watched a show. I was there, too. I like that place.
3: Oh, I went to the uh, Buddy Holly Review. Oh, oh, I bet that was fun. It was really good with the oh. Dusty 45's lead. Uh, he's so great. Oh, wow. Um, but we had dinner there, too, and... Um, you know, I like I like the I mean, the Wild Ginger food. You know, you it, it, we've been eating it for I don't know how long have they been around twenty
4: five oh, oh years, yeah. maybe yeah. twenty years. I ate at the original one way back in nineteen ninety two. Yeah, yeah,
3: okay, it was yeah. a really long so, time. Yeah, so you know, the, I think the food is good. It's a it's a little bit more limited menu in Triple Door than it is upstairs at the Wild Ginger. Yeah, um, like when you order the duck. Uh, you know, it comes already on the little buns. Oh, with the, really? You know, but oh. it, it's still delicious food, and, and it's a lovely, interesting space to see a show. <laughs> I would agree. Yeah. Um, a couple of places I've been out to lately. Um, in fact, yesterday, uh, it was in its second day of operation over in Woodenville was the Tipsy Cow. And the Tipsy Cow, I think it's their third location, maybe second. I'm not sure. But they have one in Redmond. And um, they are all about, you know, awesome burger combinations and boozy shakes. Oh, okay. And so yesterday I had a, a marionberry and strawberry um a shake with whipped cream and a, uh, I think it was a raspberry Whoa. vodka that was very good. And then, okay, so one of their appetizers is deep fried bacon with maple syrup. Oh my god. I mean, if we're talking whoa. That that's, sounds that's good. you get a little egg yolk
4: with that maybe does too. does sound
3: good. You can order on the side for your burger. Of course you can have an egg on your burger or your bacon, all kinds of accoutrements and they have some really interesting combinations. As well, they have a chicken burger, a salmon burger, oh, okay. a turkey burger, so if you know you're trying to eat even a veggie burger. Um but the, the it's all fresh uh you know brioche type buns, you know great french fries, great onion rings, Ooh. um sweet potato fries. Oh, they do have poutine. Oh. Okay. A poutine with Beecher's cheese on it. Oh, there and, you go. And gravy. And
2: we'll be talking uh-huh. Kurt later today. But,
3: yeah. So, um, but, you know, it's what's really great about it is that it opened up in an old, I don't know, want to say it was like a Sherry's coffee shop or something like that. And, you know, they've made it really uh, kind of urban, modern, and it's, you know, it's kind of in a, not, not a strip mall, more than a strip mall, because it's a yeah. standalone yeah. building. But big garage doors that open up to the outside, totally wow. kind of, you know, that Woodenville wine, urban yeah. scene flavor, and uh, and it's really cool. It was packed. I mean, I think people are just welcoming any new um, establishments to Woodinville to complement the yeah. plethora of uh, craft beverage tasting rooms that have opened up over yeah. there.
4: Huh. So, That's a good idea. Uh,
3: anyway, worth a, worth a try. Yeah.
4: Now you said you had vodka in your shake.
3: Yeah, because they they have a whole list of boozy shakes. So in other words, like they had one that was like bourbon, probably salted caramel, Ugh. Maker's Mark, um, you know. So, but all mixed with ice cream and blended, yeah. and mm. uh, so it's
4: kind of a fun and twist. Now did they have the Were they, were they making something those with the craft distillery product they, over there?
3: Yeah, they were. Uh uh-huh. yeah. And they have a full bar and a great a mini uh, beers on tap. I mean, oh, it's really pretty. It's, the it's place. very cool. Great wine list. Yeah, so wow. totally worth it. My next place that I went that is really was an amazing experience was Seven Beef, uh, Uh, up on Jefferson, and uh, it is uh, by the people who own yes Monsoon and and, uh, Babar Mm -hmm. and um, he was there. It was really great to see him. He's he's just such a lovely person. Mm -hmm. The owner Eric, this building is stunning. The outside, you you drive up and you're like, wow, that is a cool building. And then you go inside and you're even more wowed oh, because it's wow. like all this beautiful wood. and I mean, it's just, it's truly a beautiful building. And um, it used to be an architect's uh, office oh. space. And so it's really artfully designed. Yeah. Again, sort of that um, urban wood and maybe iron feel to it. Uh, and, of course, they went in there and put in this whole kitchen that is one it, the kitchen is open to the room, and it is the length of the restaurant. Wow. So it's this really long, open kitchen. Uh, what so you sit there and to dine, cook. and you can see all of that going on. Pretty pretty cool.
4: How was the service?
3: Service was impeccable. Okay, good. Service was really good. A knowledgeable waiter. Um, and we tried uh, the seven beef is, I guess, a traditional mm-hmm. Vietnamese beef yeah. uh, tasting menu. And so oh. it's beef seven ways basically so um it was it was interesting it was really flavorful and we started out with um kind of just almost like a almost like a grilled cut of steak Mm -hmm. and they're all different cuts too and then they did a plate of different kinds of beef um Sausages Mm -hmm. that were made, and then we finished with a sort of a braised beef thing. I can't remember, sorry, thing. It wasn't a thing. It was a delicious (laughs) thing. And uh, (laughs) no no
4: beef shake.
3: No, Uh, and the sausages came out on a lovely plate with greens, and so you can wrap the sausage and lettuce with different accoutrements, and it was absolutely stunning and delicious, and um, really, really worth a try. Very, very interesting. Yeah, simple. It was simple. Mm -hmm. You know, it wasn't like overly done and. Well, you know that's kind of their hallmark. It's yeah. like
2: you can go to monsoon and have pho. well, right. it's also been um reducing down for four days <laughs> right and, you right. know it's like it's the simplest thing that but, they make seem simple, but they that, do a lot right. of care and detail.
3: exactly, and that is how it's presented and the and actually, down to the detail, all the plates and everything really stunning oh, it's wow. worth worth definitely going okay.
2: Beef seems to be the trend. Yeah, beef is back in a big way.
3: Isn't that interesting?
2: I hope most of it's grass-fed. I, I wish like, it was. Happier.
3: Well, I think the interesting thing is a lot of these people that are opening these beef restaurants are raising
4: their own animals. Yes. I mean,
3: that is really a fascinating
4: thing. Yeah. yeah, I got behind a truck yesterday. I didn't know about something called Northwest Grass-Fed Beef. Oh. I want to do a little homework on that one. Interesting. Uh, uh, it was on uh, Greenwood Avenue and 85th, and he stopped in front of the little French restaurant down there. Hmm. Oh. What's that called? starts with a B. Northwest 85th. Even oh, gosh. We
3: are, we are, we're we we're are having a little memory blank today. Yeah. 85th and what?
4: Uh, 80, just north of, of 85th on Greenland. Oh, 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 oh. oh. starts with a B, doesn't it?
2: We've been there several times, right? Yeah. Yes. On the uh, right side as you're going north. I'm blanking as well. But the good news is, I know the chef's name at the Sorrento Hotel. <laughs> Nathan Batway. I knew it was, I I don't know why I could forget Batway, but um, that's who is there. Okay. Um, I have a couple and I'm just going to go through them quickly. One of them was that I had some family in town, so we, of course, were down at the Pike Place Market. And we were going to have lunch at Lowell's because I had talked to one of the sons of the man who owns it and he had said, you know, I think it's one of the best menus it's ever had. So I was anxious to go down there but we hit it at a very funny time and i didn't know that any place at the market did this but it was like 10 to 11 and breakfast ends at 11 and lunch starts at eleven thirty. Oh. so they they looked and said you know there's enough of a line you're not going to get in for breakfast and we don't start seating for lunch until eleven thirty. so we went to the athenian so it was you know Always the view from either of those places is great, but I thought that whole thing was interesting.
4: I wonder if they go shopping between 11 and
2: 11.30. Maybe. we are probably just cleaning tables and getting it all ready to start all over again.
4: Hmm.
2: I don't know. And, and doing something in the kitchen because they're going to switch off to the totally different menu.
4: Yeah.
2: Um, also, while we were down there, you know, we always talk about going out in this section, but we went down and bought Dungeness crab and organic hmm. carrots, and then we roasted hmm. carrots and had this. Oh, yeah, dungeon, that's a fabulous yeah. dinner, isn't it? And then recently I was down at Cupcake Royale talking to them. And, you know, I'm not a sugar person, but they do it right. I mean, it's all good quality ingredients. They're not just throwing a bunch of grab- garbage together and, you uh-huh. know, selling it as sugar. It was They do a lot of work on it. There's a lot of thought put into their various locations. Like, for instance, they were telling me that the Queen Anne one is the only location that has a little table for kids because Queen Anne is more of a neighbor hood type thing than, say, the Capitol Hill one, where kids wouldn't necessarily be coming in. So they've put a lot of thought into stuff like that, which makes them interesting. And then I spent a really awful, awful, horrible day poolside at the Fairmont Olympic. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Um,
2: I had to. I had some friends in town. I tried to do something nice for them. And so we had lunch poolside. And this is another menu from Gavin Stevenson. And Uh it was delicious. It was just delicious, and it was you know great to be, especially in Seattle. You know, it, this the weather was not supposed to be great, and it turned out to be great. So we actually, the pool is indoors, but we actually had a little spot outside on the deck, and it was great. Um, sushi Samurai, I was going to bring up. I think I've talked about them before. They're on Queen Anne Avenue on top of the hill, but the reason I like them so much is not only that it's so delicious, but it's all sustainable seafood, and he also does some sort of non-traditional things. He, it's almost like uh, Thai food where you'll see carrots and things in shapes. You know, he, he'll do wonderful shapes. And he always puts on some raspberries or blackberries or something on the plate. It's beautifully presented. Hmm. Interesting. So that's cool. And then I um, had the chance to eat at Duke's at Green Lake twice recently. Mm-hmm. I was there recently too.
3: Amazing food. You know, the food is, they, they've done a phenomenal job of be, of. Keeping relevant, like we were just talking about. And, uh, you know, even their menu, you know, which is on really neat uh, paper. I mean, if you use it, like, very very natural paper. And they've kind of upscaled. They really showcase their Washington wine list, Mm -hmm. their sustainable seafood offerings. I I think they have done a fantastic job of of keeping current.
2: They have. And, in fact, that kind of leads us into our monthly topic. Do we want to go in there or are we going to take a little break?
4: Uh, Let's take a little break. Okay, we'll come back and talk more about that. we'll come back and go into our monthly topic.
0: Support for Seattle Dining and The Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... Table Talk Northwest,
1: your backstage pass to wine, beverage, food and travel in the Pacific Northwest and beyond, all from an insider's view. Find them online at www.tabletalknorthwest.com.
4: Hi, this is Lenny from Messcreen Wine and and you're listening to The Seattle Dining Show. Hi, this is Andre from Walla Walla, and when I travel to Seattle, I love to dine at Rock Creek in Fremont.
2: We're back with the Seattle Dining Show, and we were just talking about Duke's Chowder House and how they've evolved. And it brings us into our monthly topic, which is letting go of habits and expectations when you think about where you want to dine out. And the reason I bring it up, well, there are several reasons. Duke's is one of them. We um, weren't always big Duke's fans. And mind you, really, when I think of Duke's, it was Lower Queen Anne when it was Duke's Bar and Grill. I don't even want to talk about how many years ago that was. Oh, I used I was, to
3: hang out there and in Bellevue. I was in the oh, Bellevue yeah. one
2: all the time. Just old enough to drink. Barely. Maybe we got in before we were of age. Maybe that's why. No,
3: I don't <laughs> think so. I mean, I was in the restaurant business when I was 21. Yeah. So I was managing a restaurant, you know, Casa Lapita on, yeah. on East Eastlake many years ago. And Duke's was a total hangout. I mean, yeah. people, I mean, that was the place to go. Oh, Those absolutely. bars were
2: fun. Well, one of the things Duke told me the other day was that even back then, the food was, you know, nothing. Uh-huh. But they were pouring premium um, spirits uh-huh. as their wells, uh-huh. and that was one of the things that was there. That's why it was such a place to go to drink yeah. because you really were getting good booze. Right.
3: Well, and it was really a meeting a meeting place. I mean, yes. you just oh, let's well, meet at dukes. I mean, yeah, that's it's what just you did. yeah.
2: So over the years, you know, he uh, they entered a chowder contest and blew everybody away. And then he decided that's when they'd become Duke's Chowder House. And then sometime in the mid-90s, they started going all natural with their food. And now he's like a big supporter of Long Live the Kings for the salmon. And, you know, he's sustainable. He looks at everything. You know, they they really vet every product before Mm -hmm. they bring it in. So to get back to the monthly topic, that's what I'm, you know, there's things that you think you know and you're hanging on to some old thing or you just don't think, like, Your purple story in Mm -hmm. Woodenville. Why would you get a lobster roll in Woodenville, but it was the best you'd had? So there's things like that, and that's kind of what I wanted to talk to. And I
4: I didn't have a good food experience at Duke's way back in the late 90s, so I never have been back. No. But I'm going to go now.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I do think they have just, their chowder is truly so
4: good.
2: Unbelievable. And every one of them is gluten free. Mm -hmm. And I tried a gluten free carrot cake dessert it was so moist and delicious and you know a lot of times the gluten-free things are either too much added sugar to give it flavor yeah. or or they're dry or something and this you'd never know so they've and they're working on their pasta he said he thinks they're close to finding the right person oh, to do their gluten-free pasta Very so mm. um so there's those things um I was thinking about places and I couldn't come up with anything offhand right now but spots that are kind of known as drink places Mm -hmm. but they really do have good food that you wouldn't expect Mm -hmm. Um, uh, places change like we were just talking about the Dunbar room too along with Dukes changing some, you know, you think you know what the Hotel Sorrento is about but they've totally redone that
3: restaurant and you don't know what it's about anymore so you need to get back Well, it it is fun to to mix it up a little bit And, and, you know, I agree with you that, you know Everybody wants the latest thing, the latest trend. What just opened? Where you know? And I and I mean I I like that too. It is fun fun to to know, and it's fun to kind of try to keep up on it if you can. Because there's so much new stuff. But there's also, um, you know, a lot of uh, veterans that have been around a long time that are still doing amazing things. And uh, and so it's worth it's worth giving a second thought to. It is kind of what you're trying to say here, right? Exactly. Um, We did that whole series of
2: articles about restaurant champions and. I mean, I could still go on, but for heaven's sakes, I've done like seven parts to it now of places that have been yeah. around for over 10 years. Uh-huh. People
4: are really liking that. You know, I put them up on Facebook, and a lot of people are reading those articles. Oh, now, good. So.
3: Good, good. Well, point. it's really good to have the, you know, I mean, I'm all, you always want to list, because I swear. Somebody says, where do you want to go? And you're like, I oh, I don't know. I can't, I can't think. think of anything. I know. So it's nice to have those lists going. Yeah. Very, very nice. Exactly. And,
2: and a lot of those places we think have been around so long, but there are so many new people in Seattle. Tom's always saying... These guys don't even know that this exists. Right, right. You know, what a local treasure it is. So,
3: There's no lack of places to dine. That is for sure.
2: That no. is for sure.
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's take a break, and when
2: we come back, we'll take a look at some of the latest tidbits from our bites file.
0: Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... Salty Seafood Waterfront restaurants. Visit them on the water at their Alki, Redondo, and Portland locations. Hi, this is Brock from the Dahlia Lounge, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show.
3: My name is Jordan from Twin Falls, Idaho,
4: and I had an amazing food experience at Toulouse Petite. We are back with the Seattle Dining Show. I'm Tom Barron, the publisher. I got Connie here, the senior editor. And Jamie's here.
3: Jamie Pihock, co-host. Jamie Pihock, co-host. Talk Northwest.
4: Tabletalknorthwest.com.
3: So today we are uh, going to share some news bites with you. And... Um, it, this one's for all you coffee drinkers out there so there's a <laughs> there's a new bakery in town and uh, actually it's the corner bakery and um, they are opening a location on August 1st in Silverdale uh, they are planning to open 16 of these uh, throughout Washington State which is pretty awesome I believe they have one in tequila as exactly. well uh, but this one opens on August 1st and the first hundred people through the door on August 1st receive a branded coffee mug and you will receive coffee for a whole year that's my Good. That's a year's worth of coffee. Plus, you can probably get some awesome baked goods at the Corner yes. Bakery. Well, they do breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So that's our first thing to share with you. And then uh, we... Now, can
4: you only use the coffee mug in the morning, or can you get I, it with your dinner, too? I don't
3: think it matters. It's a coffee for a year. If you want to drink coffee yeah. from noon to midnight, they it's your
2: call. They should have been more specific <laughs> if they wanted to know
3: that. Um Let's see. Seattle Cookie, uh, it's a cookie counter storefront opening on uh, 74th and Greenwood Avenue. Vegan sandwiches, ice cream pies, Pop-Tarts, and Anchorhead coffee. So wow. what a nice combination. Like a All little, the vegans uh, out there will be really happy about yes. that, right?
4: little competition for Chaco Canyon on yeah, the vegan market. I huh? was thinking.
3: Seattle cookie—it's at Seattle cookie—is their uh, Twitter handle, but the, the cookie counter is what it's called. Exactly. Okay, and then, um, gosh, you know, I'm really excited about this. Uh, Kurt Dammeier, uh the uh, owner of Beecher's Cheese. Uh, has opened a a place called The Butcher's Table. And uh, it's a butcher shop, a deli, a crudo bar, um, and a steakhouse. And uh, he's raising his own beef, and uh, this seems to be the trend. We've been talking about that a little bit. but um, So very interesting. This is on Westlake Avenue, and it's called The Butcher's Table. And that opened last night. Opened last night, yeah. Yeah. He said smooth sailing, so that's great. Yeah. Uh, And then... um, Manu's bodeg- Bodeguita? Am I saying it I'm, right? I'm thinking it might be Manu's, bo- bodeg- Manu's Bodeguita. Bo- bodeguita. Okay, so Manu. Oh, hey, I got, I got it now. Okay, I'm sorry. It was kind of a tongue twister there. Say yeah. it again. Uh, Manu's Bodeguita. Bodeguita. Opens
2: today. Actually, July 25th. Oh. I put that on July 25th. Uh, so it's gotcha. So know, it's open. I
3: it's, should stop that. That's okay. Um, anyway, uh, that is on uh, 1509 East Madison, Capitol Hill. And um, they do sandwiches, breakfasts, and more. I'm not sure. Are they open for dinner, too? Um, I think they are.
2: I think they are. They're doing uh, empanadas and all kinds of things. Oh, so. wow. Sounds really yeah. interesting. Yeah.
3: Okay. And then we're back to... Can I get coffee with dinner when I go there? No, uh, you don't get <laughs> coffee with dinner, although they have honor coffee there, which is yes. very good. But so many brand coffees out there now. It's there amazing. are a
2: lot. Yeah. So, um, Duke's Chowder House has... Uh, won the RFP, the request for proposal for the Schilchel Bay Marina, apparently where the old Windjammer was, so <gasps> in about a year and a half. Windjammer! Can you believe it? Oh I loved gosh, that? Oh my gosh, as a
3: kid, my dad, my family used to take me there for special occasions. That's where my dad took me. Yeah, it was really kind of a cool thing. Oh, it was
2: a very cool thing.
3: So Some Dukes is going there?
2: They're going in, and it's a freestanding building. They're going to build their own building, he said, about a year and a half from now. But it's interesting considering the Anthonys that she'll, she'll just left I after know.
3: 30 something years. Yeah. Right?
2: Yeah. And I was, you know, trying to get Duke to say something about that. And he said, no. there's a lot of stories out there, and yeah. I have no idea yeah. what's true, what yeah. happened there. But, but
3: that's, you know, they were in that building a long time, and that was a long. huge property. Oh, it was a huge place. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, the next
2: thing is a little information about ghost fish brewing down in the Soto area. For a long time, they've been talking. They do. Um, very good beer that happens to be gluten-free. I mean, they're very specific about doing gluten-free beer, but they want everyone to like it, and it is good. Well, they've been talking for a while about doing food, and they now have Michael Backelman and Lisa Wildrick who are operating their kitchen. So they'll be gluten-free dishes paired with their gluten-free beers.
4: So. What's going to happen to my glutes if I can't get any gluten? <laughs> God. It could be so bad. Could I don't be. know. It could be. It's like we're going to have a gluten shortage yeah. in this town soon. Oh, you yeah. know, it's
2: funny. When I, when I was typing this up, I said gluten-free dishes to pair with GFs, GF beer. And it didn't occur to me until that moment that Ghost Fish... Was oh was like G. I f- didn't get that. I don't know if it was on purpose. I huh. didn't ever ask them that. It didn't occur to me till this moment. Interesting. I just um, want
4: to know if there's a ghost fish running the operation.
2: <laughs> okay, be. what's next, Connie? Um <laughs> Cupcake Royale. Let's go there. The uh, Farm Fresh Ice Cream is a little project they're doing and it's happening all summer. It's very fun. They're actually a lot of uh employees sign up to go out, pick the fruit at a local farm. Take it back, they churn it up, make the ice cream, and they sell it. When it's gone, it's gone. Oh, that's and really fun. Their kind of thing is that on their website they'll say this flavor is here from August to mm-hmm. December or mm-hmm. whatever, you know. They're not doing that. This is a little departure for them, and it's when it's sold, it's sold. Oh that's so, fun.
3: Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I actually picked berries last week. Well fun. Uh-huh. We went out to near Carnation. What what kind? Uh raspberries. Oh, it was really fun. You I know, loved it, and I made my very first freezer freezer oh, jam.
4: Oh, you're going to love that all year. Yeah. Yes. You didn't get stabbed by the vines?
3: No, I didn't. Good. It was really fun and uh, relaxing and beautiful and kind of, you know, yeah. it was fun to do. I got two kind of baskets of yeah. them, and I have them in the freezer. Is that
4: like one of those you pick places? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm.
2: We did that uh, maybe three years ago
3: now with blueberries. Yeah. Up there by
4: Snoqualmie. Mm-hmm.
3: It was very, super outside. fun, super fun. Yeah.
2: The last little news bites I want to talk about is, um, and this is probably kind of uh, uh, shaken down now, but I happen to go past the EMP Museum and the pop sign for the restaurant's down, and they've got Wolfgang Puck's Culture Kitchen sign up. Um, The Culture Kitchen shows on the website, but if you call the phone, it still talks about pop. So I called and left a message and said, you know, Uh, talked to somebody and said, oh, you'll want to talk to the PR person, the marketing person. So I left my name and number and no one's ever called me back.
3: (laughs) So it's in the process of changing. It's
2: changing and they're not ready to talk about Uh, it apparently. So I'm still talking about it.
3: Okay.
2: So that's that case. And now we are going to...
3: Whip over straight into our calendar. Calendar. Okay, August is uh, just in a couple days here, right? Yes. Or actually, yeah, it is. Uh-huh. So is we're it starting Monday or it's it's around the corner. Yes. Let's just say that. Very vague. Yes. Um so uh August 2nd <laughs> at Sparkman Cellars, um they're doing um let's say Sparkman Cellars at Whisk and uh, Whisk is located... Where is WISC? Let me see here.
2: 10385 Main Street in Bellevue.
3: In Bellevue. Right. Yes, I have been by there. I haven't been there yet, but they're doing a winemaker dinner series. Yeah. Um, from 6 to 9 p.m. on August 2nd uh, with Sparkman Wines. And there is... Um, they have a very modern, well-appointed kitchen space. It's a six-course dinner. And uh, they have a 30-foot kitchen island. It's kind of a chef's table that you'll that's be sitting fun. around with their chef, uh, Aaron Tekulva, who uh, brings his experience there. And he has uh, cooked at places like Lark and Canlis and a number of different. Oh, so he's kind of a slacker. Yeah, doesn't really okay. know what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it sounds amazing. And what a nice experience to be able to sit up close and really see what's happening and then taste the delicious Sparkman wines along with that. Yum. That's great. Um.
2: Erin Coopy, who is a local author, is doing a talk at the book larder on August 3rd. And she's going to talk about tasting, infusing flavors into things. So I think that's going to be very interesting. She uh, wrote the Kitchen Pantry Cookbook, which was a bestseller on Amazon.
3: That's a great book. Yeah. I love that book.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And if you've
4: never been to the book larder. It's quite astonishing when you go in. It's just all cookbook, cookbooks. Yes. That's all it is, yeah. and a lot from local people, but also mm. other cookbooks from around the world. And so.
3: they're constantly having people in, authors in, tastings, all kinds of things. There.
4: Yeah, they got their own little demonstration kitchen there, and mm-hmm. you can go in and watch somebody cook. Or I think they have some cooking classes that they do now and yeah. then. So, mm-hmm. uh, let's. So you're going to
3: skip down to August seventh. Okay. Let's just see here. What's going on on August seventh? Uh, we've got the Jamaican feast at Marjorie. Exactly. Uh, Donna Moody, a longtime Seattle uh, chef, uh, chef and restaurant owner. Mm-hmm. Uh, her and her executive chef Isaac Hutchins uh, are throwing a Jamaican feast. So they're sort of opening up the restaurant for this special occasion. They'll be doing curry goat, uh, jerk chicken, oxtail stew, oxtail stew, and lots of Jamaican. Um, Sides and Desserts. Sounds delicious. There'll be two separate seatings, uh, one at 4 p.m. and one at 7.30 p.m. And Marjorie is located on um, East Union in Seattle yeah. and uh, com. All right. Um, fin
2: River Farm Dinner is happening on the 11th of August. That'll be over in um, the Port Ludlow area. Um, and they have a new space, so this will be a good time to... Uh, Check out that whole new space. They celebrate the summer... Oh, no, it's actually at the farm. So um, it does sell out. It's um, always a big deal, and it's outside, so bring a jacket.
3: Okay, and then we've got the Legends of Washington Wine Hall of Fame dinner at the Chlor Center. So this is a wonderful event. It's on August 12th, uh, the Chlor Center over there in uh, Prosser, and um, this is a three-course dinner where they... um, You know, they have the Washington Wine uh, Hall of Fame, and every year they recognize certain people. This year, um, the inductee is Dr. Charles Nagel, and it will be a full-on dinner where they will present these awards and recognize um, big contributors to the world of Washington wine. And there is a live auction uh, portion of it. Uh, For information, you can go to thechlorcenter.org. Excellent. I'm going to have you take the next one because you've been previously involved. <laughs> oh, the Kitsap Wine Festival is on August 13th. Now, look back about, oh, eight years, I guess it's been. Uh, <laughs> I helped them uh, create this event. Uh, it uh, Kitsap, The Kitsap Conference Center is right there when you get off the ferry, mm-hmm. right, in Bremerton so it's there? very handy. Yeah, and um, right next to it is this beautiful uh, harborside fountain park. It almost looks like... It sort of was built like you're on a cruise ship is what it looks like, but it's actually sort of this beautiful patio area oh, wow. with these amazing fountains. And you're looking at the ferry boat coming and going and out at the water, and it's really quite beautiful. And um, So uh, about eight years ago, they created a, a wine festival there uh, in that beautiful park. And wow. so this is the 8th Annual. It is happening on August 13th. It does support the uh, hospital up there, um, so it's a great charity uh, for um for the hospital in that area, and uh, they, they bring in local food people. Anthony's is a big uh, oh, okay, a big great. Uh, contributor to that event. Lots of fabulous Washington wines, and local breweries as well. Uh, really a fun event outside and uh, super, super fun. So you Food can, and
2: beverage by the water. That couldn't be more Northwest, No, exactly, huh? and
3: live music too. Yeah. Um, but you get to be out. It's, it's a perfect summer event. Really good. Yeah. And they do have a wine store there, so it's one of those events where you can oh. go, you can taste the wine, and then you can buy it yeah, and take it home. Which is great. Yep. For all concerned, exactly.
2: On the seventeenth, Eden Hill up on the top of Queen Anne is continuing in their summer dinner series. Um, this time, they're going to do a delicious, unique ten-course tasting menu, exploring and playing with different textures, which is a personal, fun thing that Chef Maximilian likes to do. So, it is a pricey thing at one eighty, but um, and you can even have an additional beverage pairing on top of that if you'd like. And you can go out to EdenHillRestaurant.com to see the full menu.
4: And how many, what's that seat, like 25 people That's a very small it's place. It's really yeah. small, yeah.
2: yeah. So don't be- feel
4: like you have to go because there will be 25 people that will go if you don't.
3: <laughs> don't say that.
4: <laughs> so.
3: Okay, and then we've got, uh, let's see, uh, another Tasting at the Chlor Center in Prosser, Washington versus France. Well, that sounds like something I'd love to do. Yeah, that's why I wanted to talk about uh-huh. that. Uh huh. Very, very. So, new, new world versus old world. Uh, let's see if they say who is actually presenting that. It's probably uh, April Redout, who oh, is, okay. um, whose name is uh, you're hearing more and more. And she, uh, I believe she does all the wine buying for the Chlor Center, but she has a pretty good palate, and she's uh, been a judge for a lot of the different oh, wine um, competitions out there. So actually the Chlor Center is doing a tremendous job of getting the education message out to people in a fun way. Yeah. Uh, and it's affordable. Uh, this particular class is $15 a person. And they are only taking 18 people, so it's really nice and intimate, and you're really going to get to taste and learn from yeah. some experts. So org is where you go for information.
2: And then at Semi-Amu out in Blaine, Washington, is it I, – I always mm-hmm. say this name wrong, the winery. I'm going to have you say the name. Camus? Camus. It's Camus, okay. That is from 530 to 9 on August 25th at Semi-Amu. It's 150 per person. And if you want to come up as a twosome, it's five hundred and nineteen dollars for an overnight stay and dinner for two. Um, Camus has been family-owned for forty-four years, and they produce two cabsaves and one zin. There's going to be five courses, including a red wine octopus salad, halibut, seared foie gras, spot prawns, rack of lamb. It just sounds, you know, atrocious.
4: You <laughs> know what a Camus is? No. There's so many places around Washington State, like the Camas Meadow and the town of Camas, and uh, and all these Camas places. And I had to look it up. It's a uh, it's a root vegetable, sort of like a potato. And uh, uh, I read about it on Wikipedia, and they recommend that you definitely always cook it because it has uh, something that'll give you a lot of gas in it if you eat it raw. <laughs> hmm. But it's like it's kind of like a cross between a beet and a potato. And
3: are we thinking that Camus Vineyards was named after that? Uh, I don't well, think so. Probably not but, after the but,
4: farting, but Maybe
3: uh,
2: maybe they maybe they tore out those plants to avoid the gas yeah, clouds. I don't the think they're going to name a winery or...
3: after that plant. But I can see that it came. Maybe it's a family name. And they were yeah. they were very even popular. more embarrassing. They were Camus farmers. I'm sorry, yeah. Camus Vineyards. We we mean you no harm here. We're just having fun. That,
4: <laughs> it, it was the Native Americans were farming them. Oh. Interesting. So I want to try one sometime. Okay. Well, Well, you
3: try that on your own somewhere. (laughs) Away from us. And listen, Camus Vineyards wines are all excellent.
0: Yes. (laughs) We're just going to
3: throw that in there. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Next up, August 26th, Rising Stars, Washington's newest wineries at the Clore Center. Now, this is really a cool new event. And, you know, having been in the wine industry for so many years, what I'm most excited about the Clore Center is that. They are pulling people over to Eastern Washington for yes. it. So it, instead of uh, it's always coming to Seattle, people from Eastern Washington. Mm-hmm. It's really neat to see some some signature events happening in Eastern Washington that people are like wanting to go over to yeah. make the trip for, yeah. and um, kind of merging those two parts of the state because yeah. we are we are one, right? Exactly. And this particular one is uh, to showcase the newest and upcoming winemakers as rising stars. So there will be. Um, 40 uh, different wines there, which is a lot to sample. Oh, yeah. And uh, you can even um, purchase wines to go home, which is great. And it's an all inclusive tasting and an opportunity to enjoy. And talking about going over to the East Side, Tom Douglas Restaurants uh, is going to be doing the food for this event. Oh, great. So uh, you can come in as a VIP, forty dollars a person. Get in an hour earlier, or the general admission is only thirty dollars. Oh, and that's
2: on. Un- un- I mean, come on, yeah, reasonable. you're going to be
3: t- pay twice as much as that over here. So, oh, yeah. uh, theclorcenter.org for information. And speaking of heading out of Seattle, there's a wine dinner on
2: August 27th at Sun Mountain Lodge, um, and that's going to be the Villa Maria
4: Wines. So, um, do you have to sit in the lodge in August? I know they have that lovely oh, room yeah. with the family table in it, but yeah, in I, August, I'd I'd rather have that dinner outside.
2: Well, I'm, let's see. It says here that they're going to start in the wine cellar, and we've done that before where they have a welcoming uh, beverage down in the wine cellar, oh, okay. which is very fun. And it is in the dining room um, at 7 p.m., and it's going to be served in lieu of regular dinner service. So oh. it's taken over the <clears throat> dining room. Um, you can also, as we talked about another event, you can stay overnight here for two um, and the wine room. Um, so you could even you can't stay in the Patterson Lake cabins, but in the lodge you can. Dinner only price is ninety nine plus tax and tip, which is pretty darn reasonable. Um, the wine dinner package um, starts at three sixty two. So that will be very fun, and you can go to sunmountainlodge.com dot com to check that out.
4: All right, um, and we got what? it all.
3: Well, you know what? We missed one thing. Oh, which in one August, we missed? Actually. Okay, we missed the Auction of Washington Wines. Oh, (laughs) right? Yeah, when is that? That is going to be August 18th, 19th, and 20th. And on the 18th is Picnic, Picnic with the Winemakers on the grounds of Chateau St. Michelle. AuctionofWashingtonWines.org is the website, and that's a super fun event where the wineries are really literally walking around pouring wine into your glass. There's fun games you can participate in, and there's great food. Uh, The Tulay Resort and Casino does all the food for Picnic. On the Friday night, there are winemaker dinners all around town, Um, and uh, these are not your ordinary winemaker dinners. These are top-of-the-line winemaker dinners at beautiful homes that you have never been in before, probably. And, uh, and of course, all of the proceeds go to um, Seattle Children's Hospital and Washington State University Viticulture and Enology programs. And then if you feel like... um, you know, really stepping out in style. The Saturday night uh, auction uh, gala happens on the grounds of Chateau-Saint-Michel. And uh, that is a, a charitable auction, uh, full live auction, entertainment, you know, five-course dinner, all kinds of crazy stuff going on. It's it's an amazing event. You know, I mean, it, it, it is um up there, price wise, yeah. but uh, certainly if you're in the charitable uh, realm, yeah. it's worth it's worth attending. The nice thing about the auction is there's a variety of different things for you to do. And if none of that sounds like it's going to be fun for you, and you want to do something different, then on Saturday morning there is a run in Woodenville. Oh, oh cool. yes, that um, Columbia Winery is behind, and there's that run there, and you can find information about that auctionofwashingtonwines.org. So or, pace eh? yourself
4: Friday night before you do the run on yeah. Saturday morning.
3: <laughs> so you go, you go to the... Yeah, exactly. So you, you, you do two days of partying and drinking and dining and then you get up really early Saturday morning and go for a run.
4: <laughs> <laughs> what better way to get all the toxins
2: exactly. out of your body? Exactly. Now I'm going to throw one more in that's actually in September but it's the uh, fundraiser that we do each year that Seattle Dining sponsors and that I manage called Cooking with Class. And I bring it up now as opposed to our September show because... Those tickets will be gone by then. Um, Yeah. There's about 40 tickets left, and we've only had them out a couple weeks. So um, this is a sellout each year. It's very fun. As a guest, you choose three chefs out of 22 to actually sit in class with uh, seven other people, make the dish, hands-on with the chef, ask whatever questions you want. We have uh, wineries that have donated. Actually, they've done the pairing with the dishes, and so you eat what you've made, and you drink... And pair those, and then you move on to your next class. We have a very fun auction that's generally culinary and travel in nature. Um, A lot of fun, a lot of fun. So this is our 15th year. So if you head out to seattledining.com backslash CWC for Cooking with Class, and you can register and find out more information and pay through PayPal.
4: Wow, that was a mouthful of calendar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, so uh, that's not everything on the calendar. So you can go out to seattledining.com backslash calendar or just click click the calendar link at the top of the page, and you'll see everything that's going on around town. Now, what we're going to do is take a break, and when we come back, we have a very special guest. We have Kurt Dammeyer, or Kurt Beecher Dammeyer. With uh, Sugar Mountain, and Company, Beecher's, Liam's, Bennett's, Maximus Minimus, Mishima Reserve. It goes on and on. And so uh, we'll be back with that interview right after this.
0: Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Queen Anne Olive Oil. Explore their huge selection of flavor-infused olive oils and balsamics. Mix and match
1: them to create some unique taste treats. Take a field trip to their Queen Anne tasting room and experience oils and vinegars in a whole new way. More information is at QueenAnneOliveOil.com. Hi,
3: this is Leslie Kelly from allrecipes.com, and you are listening to the Seattle Dining Show.
1: Hello, my name is Carrie. I live in Magnolia, and my favorite restaurant is Tavolata.
2: Here today with Kurt Dammeyer of Sugar Mountain, and Tom wanted to have Kurt in today, so I'm going to let him take it away.
4: Well, so what happened was I was out taking my walk a couple weeks ago, and uh, I listened to the Seattle Kitchen Show, and I heard you on there. So, uh, so we're going to promise not to talk about anything you talked about on the Seattle Kitchen Show, and we're going to tell everybody go listen to that one after you're done listening to this one, right?
5: I think that'd be great. <laughs>
4: So, uh, Kurt, you've been putting together quite a little empire as you go along here. Empire
5: is um, a pretty strong word.
4: Yeah. Well, yeah, you're, you're not up to fourteen or fifteen restaurants. You can't. You're not at the point where you can't count them anymore. True. But uh, but you've got a lot going on. Um, you've got a brand new cookbook out. You've got a brand new steakhouse that you're opening up. Or it's it, did it just open?
5: At first night. Last
4: night. Okay. Oh my gosh. Okay. And then uh, uh, you've been doing things along the way. You started by doing & Company, is that right? I bought
5: & Company uh-huh. in the year 2000, I believe, which it, it had been a long time Seattle favorite. Oh yeah. The founder uh, Marcella Rosine was a, a big tastemaker in the 90s in the Seattle area. And it was a great place to start my my food journey.
4: And you had had an um, issue with MSG back in the 80s, which sort of uh, caused you to tear the entire menu apart at and Company and put it back together again, right?
5: Yeah, you know, I've part, a big part of the book is my pure food journey. And my pure food journey started with a head cold. And I, I had a cold. I felt like I just needed soup. You know, you kind of yeah. had that Jewish grandmother kind mm-hmm. of a thing. So I, I felt like I needed chicken soup. So I went to a local Chinese restaurant, and I had hot and sour soup. And what, what could be more nourishing? That should be the a best little thing. spicy, a little garlicky, chicken stock based. <clears throat> I thought that would be perfect. I ate it. Next day, I felt worse.
4: Welcome to Chinese food in Seattle.
5: Exactly. (laughs) I went back again uh, the next day, felt worse. To make a long story short, I went back five days in a row (laughs) thinking that this hot and sour soup would help me. And at the end of those five days, I had such a a headache that I actually thought that maybe I had a brain tumor or something like that. (laughs) And I was sitting kind of in a corner, kind of resistant to light. And one of my coworkers said to me, well... Do you think that maybe you're allergic to MSG? And it was like, the oh my god! Up. There, it was the first time I had ever thought about the fact that somebody could be making food for me that wouldn't be good for me. Yeah,
4: yeah.
5: that 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 people out there didn't have my best interests in mind when making food,
2: mm-hmm. or didn't know it themselves.
5: Maybe didn't know it themselves, but really. The big part of my journey has taken me down the road of really being indignant about corporate America and their knowledge of selling us food that's killing us, just like the tobacco companies do. And the
4: government that allows it.
5: And the government that's powerless to prevent it, really.
4: It's fascinating how we ruined our food supply about 100, 150 years ago. We started to ruin it. And um, it won't be back to normal in our lifetime, probably. You know,
5: I, I reject that. I, I am starting on a path of advocacy to try to make that not be the case. Mm-hmm. That we don't have to accept the 40-year lag that we got on cigarettes from the government. And that mm-hmm. we can take control of our food system by using our dollar votes – to create change in the supply.
4: Yeah, we as individuals who who really want to learn, we have to we have to learn how to eat right again. It's it's amazing, um, but I, I know as as an individual who's chosen to clean up my food act, I can I can source pretty much what I need. But you know, there's times when I'm out for a week or whatever on the road, and then you're going to eat some corn chips somewhere, and they were probably made with Monsanto corn, and and so you. you you're still gonna get exposed to it as hard as I try, you know.
5: Well and the biggest problem when you're out on the road is that you're eating in restaurants, and restaurants are the wild, wild west of ingredients. You have no idea right. what you're yeah. eating.
1: Right. Yeah.
4: So um so you have three restaurants now. You have uh, four. Four. You have Liam, you have Bennett's, you have the the, uh, the
5: butcher's table uh-huh. and then in new york we have a beecher's
4: restaurant called, ah, called okay. the cellar hmm. so is that connected to a cheese factory there
5: it is if you've been to the beechers here in seattle the one in new york is uh everything that that is although a little bit grander as befits new york plus a 90 seat restaurant in the cellar Oh, wow. nice Nice.
2: So is it like Seattle where you can watch the cheese ma- being made and everything from the windows? Yes. Oh, that's
5: great. Just a little bit bigger, a little bit yeah. grander.
4: Well, have your PR in- company send us a couple of plane tickets. <laughs> <laughs> I,
5: if only I had a PR company.
2: Yeah. <laughs> we can do that for you. <laughs> yeah.
5: People always ask me, who's your PR agent? You guys get so much PR, <laughs> and uh, we don't have one. Just really kind of never have.
4: And I think part of that is is uh, with Beecher's, um, you do such a good job, with that that a lot of the restaurants in the area down there are working with you and using your cheese. I know that Kevin Davis uses it up at Steelhead, and
5: yeah, he has our curds on his menu in a yeah. couple places. Yeah, he comes; they come right down to our cheese factory and get them fresh. I think every two days. Well, I
4: wouldn't pay for delivery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um. So okay. So so we're talking about restaurants. It's the wild, wild west. So if I want to go to Bennett's or Liam or, or the, um, the butcher's table or the cellar, uh, how do I know it's not the wild, wild west? What's going on with the with the ingredients?
5: Well, of course, our whole company has uh, our stated mission is to change the way America eats, and we have a a, a pure food promise and philosophy that is is right out there. I mean and we are we are manic about it. There's not a single shred of chemical in anything that yeah, we make sell or buy. But we aren't required to post our ingredients. And I'm I'm kind of getting to the point where I think that as a society we need to start requiring restaurants to post their ingredients. We're still stuck on the idea of calories, which to me is frankly maybe the least important piece yeah. of data.
4: Well, it's it's what what your body will do with those calories based on what you're eating.
5: Yeah, and you the, can eat
4: as many calories as you want, but if you're if you're doing things to store the calories as fat, then you're that's a problem.
5: And we all know that fries are 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 more caloric anyway. Mm-hmm. I my base philosophy is that you if you are eating clean if you don't have chemicals in your body from food, that your body will re- mostly self-regulate. And if you're cooking a lot of your own food, you're not going to be eating the kinds of things anyway that cause these giant problems.
4: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And people will say, well, if I'm going to eat like that, it's expensive. But that, you know, that is people like to,
5: tr- to trot that out, that, that when you're on a budget, you can't aff- or, or, that people of limited means have to eat at McDonald's because it's cheap. And the reality is that the problem is that we've broken the chain of cooking because cooking from scratch is cheaper than eating at McDonald's if you do it in such a way to keep the
4: price down. And I like your economics in the book. And I'll, I'm gonna, I, I may recite this incorrectly, but I know I'm close. You said that um, back in the 1950s, uh, people were spending uh, 14% of their money on food and 3% of their money on health care. And today, they're spending 3% of their money on food and 14% of their money on health
5: care. Those aren't quite the right numbers, but they are certainly directionally correct.
4: Okay, it's oh, in the book, so well, you got to get the book, and then you it, don't tell them the real numbers. You okay, have to yeah, buy the book. yeah.
5: <laughs> <laughs> don't use the interwebs. Buy my book. Uh, the the truth of the matter is that we have exchanged spending on food for spending on health care. The externality of cheap food is health care. It's just that simple. And as a society, if we're to really affect our long-term health care, we're going to have to reorient our thinking about what we spend on food. Not just in, as individuals, but in schools, at stadiums, everywhere we, we live and operate, we have to come to realize that cheap food is costly. Yes,
4: mm-hmm. yes. Okay, let's talk about um, – you've, you've got the restaurants – and um, we can all be pretty assured that we're getting some good, clean cooking when we go. Uh, but on top of that, you've got the, uh, the uh, Sugar Mountain Livestock.
5: Yes, uh, which is um, primarily Mishima Reserve Wagyu beef. When did that start? You know, it was a company that was started in uh, the middle 90s by a fellow by the name of Shane Lindsay. And I bought it. I bought the company and he basically came with it. Oh, okay. Uh, about 4 years ago. Okay. It's um so we have a, a an interesting and unique model of controlling our beef supply essentially from farm to table. We own Wagyu bulls. And so what we do is we send our bulls or their product to uh 12 different family ranches around the Western United States. Mm. We have uh, some in Montana, Idaho, Oregon, California, Utah, Colorado, and Texas, I believe. I might be missing a state. And the reason we need that that kind of crescent Mm -hmm. is because we need differential gestation periods. Uh We can't have all of our calves being born on the same day. If we were a turkey rancher, we could. Because yeah. everyone needs turkey on one day. Yeah. But in, uh, in the beef world, we have to sell it all year round. Yeah. So we send our, um, our bulls or their product to these ranches. They inseminate their Angus ca- cows. And then we contract to buy back the 50-50 cross Wagyu Angus calf oh. when it's weaned at about eight months. Then we take those calves, we collect them all up, and we send them to uh, three different feedlots that we work with in the Denver area. Big, wide-open feedlots, not, not CAFOs. These, mm-hmm. these are healthy, happy cows. On, are
4: these grass-fed cows, or are they getting a, a grain feed?
5: They're grass until they're weaned, and then in our feedlots, they're getting a mixture of grain and grass.
4: Okay.
5: If you try to feed you know, Wagyu meat, Wagyu beef, is prized because of its internal marbling, mm-hmm. right? And the the way you get the cows to marble like that is you feed them the grain slowly. Mm-hmm. You, and so we don't have to use anything like antibiotics to be able to keep the grain down. We're feeding them grain and grass to their desire. And we feed them for another 400, approximately 400 days, mm-hmm. which contrasts to about 120 days for wow. the American... Uh, standard wow. beef industry that's huge. So uh, one of the benefits that uh, if you eat m- my wagyu beef, you're giving some cow an extra year of life.
2: Yeah,
5: uh, which you know isn't isn't insignificant.
4: Yeah,
5: uh, and that year of life, they're pretty pretty happy and healthy and well treated.
4: Do you even play Pokemon Go yet?
5: You know, <laughs> I haven't seen them, but I wouldn't doubt it. I've seen <laughs> everywhere people are doing that. Man. I'm trying to get my new restaurant turned into a Pokemon gym. There you go. I don't know how to go about it. If any of your listeners have a way I can get that done, let me know.
4: So uh, the new cookbook's out. Um, I got mine down at the book larger. Uh, And you have a lot of handwritten notes in the book. And Connie didn't know that you wrote those notes. And she was reading it last night. And she says, oh, yeah, I like the way you've really marked up his book.
2: But, I've uh, never seen him do that before. It's like, boy, oh, I can't believe you marked this book all up like this. He goes, are you serious? <laughs> <It's> like,
4: <laughs> You know, uh,
5: I don't know that I've ever seen a book that has used that before.
4: I've never seen that before, and I was thinking about the process because, you know, we publish books here as well. So I know that, you know, I just send a computer file down, and they can process that entirely digitally. But in your case, I almost have to turn every page into a picture before they print it.
5: You know, I, I should know this. I used to be in the printing business, so I yeah. should know how they dealt with that. But in today's, today's printing world is so different than mm-hmm. it was when I was in it. So uh, I, when you write a recipe, you write a head note that kind of talks about why you might want to do it and kind of what's the, what the recipe is about, mm-hmm. then the recipe itself is pretty dry. Right? It's kind of like just the facts. Mm-hmm. And so I imagined that I would write these handwritten notes – on top of the recipe in certain instances when there was something additional I wanted to say. And I've seen a couple of the reviews that have been of the book reference it and they feel like I'm standing behind them, coaching them, saying, Yes, you can. And that's kind of I was I I loved that review. Yeah. Because that's exactly what I was thinking in it for for To have it. it come through is kind of unusual. For somebody it, to get that. And it turns out I have relatively okay handwriting.
4: Yeah, Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, listen, let's, uh, we're going to take a break here, and then when we come back, we're going to uh, talk about a couple of Northwest companies that are, are food-based, and uh, we're going to get your take on them, and then uh, your take just on some industry things in, in general.
0: Support for Seattle Dining and The Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by petra mediterranean bistro take a journey to greece
1: lebanon jordan and the north shore of africa by way of belltown as you dine in a welcoming atmosphere and experience the hospitality that chef call provides need a quick bite drop into the attached cafe or shop for authentic flavors in their adjoining store visit petra for more information
3: hello this is chef wayne johnson from sugar jazz bistro and you are listening to the seattle dining show
5: Hi, I'm Danielle. I live in Ballard, just moved here from Orlando,
4: Florida. One of the restaurants I love so far is Bitterroot off Ballard Ave. It's got phenomenal smoked barbecue foods, really Southern. It was delicious. (music)
2: We're back with our second half of the interview with Kurt Dammeier of Beechers and Sugar Mountain. And I wanted to start this off with a question of how you got into cooking in the first place. Your family had a printing business, which when it sold is when you ended up buying pasta and company. Somewhere in there, your love of food and cooking came in.
5: Yeah, this is my, my second career, really. I started uh, as a professional in the food business probably about age 40.
2: Oh, okay.
5: Which tells you a little bit about how old I am. Yes. 42. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Got a lot done in two years. Uh, So my my history on that is that as a kid, even, I was really into cooking. Okay. Um, I definitely remember around age eight telling my mom that the cinnamon toast just wasn't cutting it (laughs) and coming up with a, a new way. Where I melted the butter and made a slurry of cinnamon sugar, oh. so I could get it thicker on the bread. Yes, you know, you wanted to create that intense flavor. Yes, it was like a reduction cinnamon sugar sauce.
4: Oh wow, kind of sounds like the way I have it now. It's yeah, I don't put any sugar in, but I, what I do is I'll fry an egg and I'll fry it in ghee, and then I'll add a little more ghee in and and uh, brush it onto the toast, and then sprinkle the uh, cinnamon over the top. Mmm, it's good.
5: Yeah, so I started. That was kind of my first memory. Mm-hmm. Cooked all through uh, high school at home. I actually cooked for my fraternity in college, oh. which was, uh, you know, trial by fire. Yeah. If you didn't, if the meal was bad, you you'd pay. You, you found out about it right away. <laughs> then going into my twenties, I was really an aggressive home chef, kind of cooking out of Charlie Trotter cookbooks, and I was that guy where everyone says, man, this was a great dinner. You should open a restaurant. (laughs) And I I was smart enough not to do it then. Then later on when I changed careers, when I ended up selling our family business and found myself at age 38 with figuring out what's next, Mm -hmm. I bought pasta and company. I got involved at Pyramid Breweries. And the pasta and company purchase kind of didn't go well. I thought that I would be really removed from it, that I would just go there and pick up checks and I'd just be, bravo, this is awesome, <laughs> that the food business was easy. And I came to realize that it was not easy, that it was really hard. And the company started doing not very well, which drew me in um, tightly to it. Mm-hmm. So it was the one of the worst business deals I've ever done, but of course the best. Because if it had not happened, I wouldn't be where I am. Mm-hmm. So over about a four or five year period, I just became more and more professional in my chefery. Mm-hmm. And uh you know, I think there was a two or three year period where I started where I probably every time I put on a chef coat, I felt like I was at a costume party.
4: Mm-hmm. But
5: uh that ended probably about um oh maybe eight, ten years ago. Oh, okay. So now I'm very comfortable in a chef yes. coat.
2: And wear it frequently.
5: I do.
4: Okay, so let's uh, let's go to the next part that we were going to cover here and talk about some of the local companies here, some of the local industries here. Because um, obviously, you're you're having to source a lot of ingredients from different places. Uh, what do you wh- what do you like baking wise, bread wise? What do you like here in the Pacific Northwest?
5: We have some great artisanal breads in our area. And that was really one of the very first artisanal products that really mm-hmm. caught on in Seattle. Bread and beer were the things that really led the way. And I, that was kind of my inspiration for cheese, which had, I figured probably would go through that same revolution, mm-hmm. but hadn't when I started Beechers. And now I think even in the beef business, I think it's going to be, it's the same kind mm-hmm. of a thing. Uh, so I like all the bread companies I, and I love bread. Although uh, I, I am a believer that too many carbs is, can be a problem. And so yeah. I, I don't put bread out on my tables at my restaurants because I think that we as a society do eat too many carbs and that, that carbs can be a big problem.
4: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's, that's the problem. But that's I love bread. Yeah. In, so. It's the hard thing to give up. So uh, speaking of, of carbs, how about chocolate?
5: Boy, have you ever been to the fancy food show? Mm-mm. in yep. they have one in Seattle excuse me in San Francisco mm-hmm. and in New York and there's just this giant convention they do the whole Jacob Javits Center in New York oh, it's and it's filled with people selling quote fancy food and when you walk through there there are probably 200 chocolate companies uh-huh. the the revolution of chocolate is unbelievable yeah. how how the variety the the, the creativity—it's just phenomenal. I, I love what's happened to that business.
4: Do you use like the Theo's chocolates in anything that you make at the restaurants? We
5: have a special cookie at Pasta and Company. It's a it's a six dollar giant peanut butter cookie slash uh, like peanut butter cup, and it has some peanut peanut butter kind of ganache. And it ha- we put a piece of Theo chocolate right on top of it, oh. and after it bakes, you can still see the Theo logo. Oh. And it-
2: <laughs> that cannot be bad. No, that sounds like it,
5: lunch. It is crazy good. I mean, it's <laughs> it's you know it's really a cookie that's intended to share with two other people. Yeah. Um, I have occasionally pretended to share it. <laughs>
4: Now, in in your book, you make no secret about Gatorade. You don't like what's going on inside Gatorade, and I don't either personally. Uh, We have a number of water companies here in the Pacific Northwest. So any thoughts on the sparkling ice or the cascade ice people?
5: You know, I I think that those guys are are pretty good in what they do, and they're not selling overly sugared stuff. Uh, I recently gave a TED Talk with the title, Gatorade is the New Cigarette. And it's available online for anybody who'd like to check it out. It was at the TEDx in Tacoma. Uh, and And I don't believe I'm overstating the case by saying that. So I really like water fountains. That delivering water via pipes is so environmentally friendly and just having water fresh available for you anywhere you want is the way it used to be mm-hmm. and really the way it should be again. At my golf I, I, I'm a member of a local golf club and they have water fountains. And every time I go by a water fountain, I always drink some because I'm afraid they're metering it. And if no one uses it, they'll take them out.
4: <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. Uh, we know you like the Mama Lil's, the, the I peppers. Love
5: Mama. I mean, I, and I'm not the only one. I mean, the Seattle area is every chef in Seattle. Uses Mama Lil's. Yeah. Oh. And they are incredible. Uh, I don't even know how they create that flavor. But the that mix of kind of vinegar, oil richness, some garlic, and then that kind of sharp with a slightly sweet pepper is – just really incredible i I would put them on practically everything if I could. I'd put that and Beecher's cheese on everything
4: <laughs> so I think you're gonna have to come up the recipe that incorporates the cheese and the and the mama lils together. well, we
5: do have a, a mama lils in uh our mac and cheese oh, yeah? along with kale in New York oh. and i think uh, yeah in and in, in the restaurants here in Seattle too
4: okay okay um let's see. Red Duck Foods out of Oregon. Any thoughts on them? I have never heard of them. They make they sound some great. Uh, USDA certified uh, organic ketchups. Uh, they have oh, I have seen them. Yeah, yeah, they make a classic, and then they make one with a curry in it. And-
5: yeah, no, I have seen those ketchups. Yeah, um, interesting name, Red Duck. It doesn't yeah. really be, tell you. I didn't really get what it was about. Which. Can work, of course. Mm.
4: Well, and you don't like it when somebody calls a, a, when they use a brand name of a place that doesn't exist. So now you you need to know: is there a red duck running the show down there in Oregon, or <laughs> yeah. is, just is it just a made in up red name? Duck, Oregon? I
5: would I would like to think that there's a story behind it rather than just some marketing firm that made up a funky name. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, and I, I'll bet there is, and I think that those catch-ups are pretty good.
2: Yeah. Well, we're on that name thing. Talk a little bit about why that annoys you, like the
5: – well, in fact, the ranch you
2: bought, the Mishima Ranch, and why you changed.
5: So I have long felt that uh, – lied to by brand names that um, use verdant images that aren't true.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: And uh, something like Organic Valley or uh, or, or – Stony Creek. Stony Creek Fields – the, these, this idea of giving you this image of this uh, bucolic farm, pristine, pristine, when in fact that's not what it is, it, to me is just lying, and uh, it's it's the same kind of a thing like putting supermodels on the cover of Vogue and airbrushing uh, their cellulite out. Mm-hmm. It's it's not real, and and it's it's a lie, mm-hmm. it, and it creates this this sense of of um false aspiration. Right? That that if it's not if that's not really the truth, then we shouldn't aspire to that. Exactly. And there's nothing wrong with food brands like Red Duck that is just a cool name that somebody made up. Mm-hmm. Or or Dave's Killer Bread. Uh or <laughs> there's some truth to
4: that one.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
5: well it's but I mean it's, it doesn't have anything to do with a with a with a with a farm. Yeah. It doesn't have anything to do with bread. Uh when I bought Mish- I bought the my beef company Mishima Reserve and when I bought it it was called Mishima Ranch and every pretty much everybody in the in the meat business uses that kind of imagery mm-hmm. uh one of my learnings of getting into the meat business is how much of a sham it really is right meat is really hard to tell what it is once it's once it's out of a package once it's out of a cow yeah. and so it's there's a lot of room for cheating, essentially shenanigans, shenanigans, and and false imagery. So many of the meat companies that are out there have uh, a brand image that maybe at one time was true, but is long since gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, there's a local company that uh, whose uh, last one of their part of their name rhy- rhymes with hills. <laughs> that uh that I, is just really their original premise was pretty cool. they had a a farm in an area, and the area was called that that name mm-hmm. and now I think that uh if the trucks from Iowa roll through that area on the way to the market then i 'd be surprised that'd be the closest they could possibly come and they 're not the only ones right there there's 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 so many. They're not even – the. I think they're probably produ- producing a good product, but it isn't what they say it is. Yeah. And that's the real thing. Mm-hmm, right. The same thing with Gatorade, which is simply Coke in sheep's clothing. Oh, interesting. Uh, I mean it is just a colored sugar water. Yeah. It's, it's really exactly Coke. But Coke is is honest about what they are. Yeah. Coke, and, and they're the same company, right? Coke owns Powerade and Pepsi owns uh, Gatorade, oh, right? Okay. It's the same thing. Yeah. They've just found a better way to sell it, right? They, they yeah. got stymied with their sugary um, soda, and so they basically just repackaged it, and and they're selling it as energy, which is just freaking sugar, now, right? How did they That's get, all it is.
2: How did they get all the NFL teams and all the pro teams to drink that on air? Dollars.
5: Well, they're oh, not please. really drinking it, by the way. Oh, really? Most of the times those NFL a lot of the, a lot of the athletes on TV, uh-huh. they're too smart to drink Gatorade. I was going to say why would their physicians let them do that? And they they put them in the they put water in the Gatorade
4: bottle. Oh. Right? The um I, I thought it was good to drink the Gatorade and then have the Skittles right after.
5: <laughs> yeah. My here, my uh my, and the, the marketing that those companies are doing now, the amount of money that they can spend and how deep they can go to attract the lifetime value of a customer. Mm-hmm. Recently, my son's football team had a nutritionist come in from that was sponsored by the University of Washington, who is a Powerade Coke uh, uh, organization. University of Washington has their – Coke's their sponsor, so Powerade's okay. their drink. And this woman, uh, I think, was giving them a lot of good advice about nutrition. But in amongst it, she said that when you're doing your lifting, you need to have a full-size Powerade there to give you energy. Oh, Lord. And then when you're done, you need to make sure and eat some of the Powerade goo. And a full-size oh, no. Powerade has three 13 cubes of sugar in it.
2: Oh, my God. Mm. And this it, is they're is, telling kids this. Is,
5: well, they're there. The coach is standing there saying, yes, this is what you ought to do. They're a nutritionist. Oh. They're, these companies, Coca-Cola and, and Pepsi-Cola, are, are being allowed right into our schools oh to promote their products. And their products are simply long-term death.
2: Yeah. Right? Yeah.
5: The, all this added sugar and this processed food is what's creating the spike in uh in food-related deaths. Wow. And and it's just I mean, it's no different from having the coke wrap there or simply having the cigarette wrap in there saying cuz back in the 30s <laughs> athletes were endorsing cigarettes oh, yeah. and they were they were promoting them as helping their yeah. athletic performance and providing calm and they, had, they sold cigarettes with health claims, just like they sell Gatorade oh, and Powerade with uh, performance claims. Yeah. Wow. wow.
4: All uh, right. Well, there's more stories like that in the book. Congratulations on a new book. Congratulations on a new restaurant. And, excited. Uh, First
5: yeah. night one was last night, and it went so smoothly. Oh, good. Great.
4: And there's
2: more to that. There's the restaurant. There's a deli. There's the
5: It's Um, a butcher shop, a bar, a raw bar, steakhouse. It's kind of its own marketplace in a way. And live music, 8 to 11 every night. Every night. Oh, wow.
4: Wow. 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 Okay. We'll have to get down there and check it out. You will. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming, and we will be right back with some tips and tricks, I think.
0: Yes. Support for Seattle Dining and The Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... The Paragon Bar and Grill, your Upper Queen Anne
1: destination for lunch, teeny time, evening entertainment, and weekend brunch. For two decades, the Paragon has served as the go-to neighborhood location while welcoming others from all over the Pacific Northwest and beyond. Visit them online today at ParagonSeattle.com. I'm Ben Dimitri from La Cole 41 Winery, and you're listening to The Seattle Dining Show.
3: Hi, my name is Leslie, and I'm in Seattle now, but I was in Bellingham for 15 years and have always eaten at this Thai restaurant called Busara, and it has better Thai food than even I had in Thailand, and it's amazing.
2: It was really interesting talking with Kurt this morning. We're at the end of the show, but we before we go, we like to shower you with some tips. Um, generally, an at-home tip, an eating out tip, and a gadget tip. I'm going to start out with something that's kind of at-home and a gadget. Um, tovolo, is that
3: how it's pronounced? I, I call it Tovolo. Tovolo.
2: That's I, I'm not always saying that. I'm having trouble with my pronunciation today. Um, they do what's called a sphere-clear Ice system, and I'm fascinated with this. You, uh, it's a two circles, so you're making round ice cubes, and all of the oxygen, oxygen is pushed into the bottom classic sphere, leaving the top one crystal clear and ultra slow melting. So you can use that one for say a bourbon drink, and it will keep everything cold, but not water it down as you slowly sip, and then you can take the other ones. And use it in your favorite drinks or uh, something that you're doing on the rocks or if you're crushing something. doesn't matter. It's got all the whiteness in it with the oxygen. So you've kind of got a two-for-one. You're using everything you make but for different systems. I find that fascinating. Very cool.
3: I like that. I think it's really neat. Yeah. Yeah. I love the clear, the clear uh, round ice cube. It's perfect. You're not not seeing it
2: normally, and so I want to get one.
3: Yeah, (laughs) definitely.
4: Okay, well, I've got a tip for dining out. And uh, that is that uh, there are a lot of writers who will always jump on the newest restaurant and publish something about it. Uh, Maybe good, maybe bad, you never know. But uh, frankly, I think that people do well to hold back and don't go down there on the first week that someone's opened, especially if it's people you've never heard of before, and uh, give them some time to settle in. Uh, Give the chef some time to get the menu squared away the way he really, or she, really wants to have it be. Uh, Let the servers get used to serving, and, and you'll have a better experience if you just hold back.
3: Or if you do go, make sure you're going with that in mind that it's new and you don't, yeah. ex- you know. Yeah. And, and while, I mean, I think our expectations are that, you know, you open the doors and everything should be hunky-dory because yeah. you want to leave. And I think that's everyone's intention. Yes. However, there's a lot of moving parts when it comes to a restaurant. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, hitting it out of the park the first time yeah. out of the gate is really tough. Yeah. And
2: and most restaurants, uh, many restaurants will do uh, like a friends and family night or they yeah. do a practice or, week. Right. So they, they've got some stuff down. Yeah. But, you know. When it's showtime, mm-hmm. there's a lot of pressure,
3: right? I think what you're looking for when you go to those first dining experiences, if you do go during that time, is the eagerness of the staff to you know be forthright in yes. what you know what's working, what's not with you. And I really appreciate that kind of candidness yeah. from uh, people.
2: We went. Uh, I went to a, a place that shall be re- named remain nameless. Although it wasn't a bad story, it, the food was great, but the waitress, really the person serving us, didn't. Know the menu very well. Mm. And I've never seen such eagerness. And she would, it didn't matter. She wouldn't even necessarily find out all the questions and go, she'd go, I'll find out. And she'd run away. Yeah, yeah. And she'd come back and she'd have the answer. You know, and it was just. And the day later, you got yeah. your meal? Well, I
3: mean, you know, I think there's points for that.
2: Yeah. I mean, you know. I, but she was so uh, willing, as you said. To not know and be happy to find out because she was learning Mm -hmm. and then she was giving us information. So it was really, uh, actually, it was a good experience. Mm -hmm.
3: Um, So I've been turned on to this new thing. Um, So, you know, I was all about getting the spiralizer there for a while. Remember the spiralizer where you put in your little zucchini and you make zucchini spaghetti? Yeah. Well, there's something that's even easier than that. Best. I swear this is not a commercial for it, but I sound like <laughs> one. So um, so this is called a Thai slicer, and is actually meant to, for green papaya salad. You know, when you oh, go to a yeah, green papaya yeah, yeah. salad, the green papayas are, are kind of hard, right? Yeah. And so you need something to really, you know. Yeah. So this is a very simple tool. It's a Y-shaped uh tool with a little handle uh-huh. on it and it has a um, sort of serr um ser- serrated serrated thank you Serrated. I don't know what that was. Not even a word. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Camus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tavolo. Okay. I'm with you. Right. Serrated. Um, kind of blade on it. So it sort of has this wavy blade that is sort of rotates back and forth as you go down whatever vegetable or fruit yeah. you're you're using it. And it and it comes out with this like you know these these strips, like almost like julienne strips. Yeah. Or um you could make like a
4: nice apple slaw with that. You too could. Yeah.
3: And yeah. it's so. Easy oh, and wow. it's inexpensive, and you can find it at Wajamaya. Okay. And um, so,
4: remember, you're looking for a Thai it's vegetable a thai, slicer. A or, or?
3: Thai, I mean, it's really called. I don't know if it, it's on the packaging. It says green papaya slicer, yeah. but that's really what it okay. was yeah. meant for. Because obviously, lot, you can use it on other, you know, yeah. hard vegetables. But we
4: were trying to find a picture of this prior to recording this morning, and. We were trying things like Korean vegetable slicer and stuff. And there, there's a lot of things it, so. that are
3: like it out there, but this particular tool is super inexpensive and it works. So like remember, it has
4: rotating serrated edges on the front of it, mm-hmm. and it's it's a Y shape with a handle, mm-hmm. like a like a slicer yeah. typically is. Mm-hmm.
3: Okay, simple, easy gadget.
2: Excellent. I'm thinking I'm kind of looking this up right now, and you may even be able to find it on uh, eBay. Oh,
4: cool. So. So oh, I, no, go to watch Maya. Don't buy it off yeah. yeah, Come yeah. On. Go to
2: Maya. definitely. definitely. Take, the,
4: take the train to Yeah. Uh,
2: really, yeah.
3: Okay, I All think right. we've done it.
2: We have. It's time to wrap up. So thank you for joining us on the show. If you're not already a subscriber to our online magazine, it's free to do so. Just visit www.seattledining.com and click on subscribe free.
4: We want you to dine well. We want you to dine safe. And we want you to dine often. And don't cook like my mother.
2: Don't cook like Tom's mother.
0: Thanks for listening to another edition of the Seattle Dining Show. This program is a copyrighted production of Mixed Media. It may not be reproduced in part or in whole without written permission of the legal owner, all right? However, feel free to share the link with all your friends on Facebook. Studio equipment for this broadcast was purchased locally at American Music of Fremont Icon. The views and opinions expressed on this show are exclusive to the hosts and guests and do not reflect those of former employees of Bill the Butcher, the Surrogate Hostess, the Beeline Diner, Louie's Chinese Cuisine, the Doghouse, the Five Mile House, Charlie's, the Twin Teepees, Ocean Air, Benjamin's, the Madison Park Cafe, or any other lost Seattle icon. Subscribe free to our monthly magazine online at seattledining.com and join us next time for another edition of the Seattle Dining Show.